Hey, welcome to the podcast, Builder vs. Buyer. I'm the host, Adam Steiner. And as you'll notice here in a second, um, I am no longer co-hosted with Tony. Uh, Tony kind of bailed on me, so. <laughs> um, it was a little bit much for his schedule, but um, I'm still wanting to get him back on here. But I am here with a, another person um, I, that I'm very familiar with, that we go way back. His name is Joe Drew. Joe is the best trim carpenter in the region. Um, this is true, these are facts. Um, and Joe and I go way back when I was, what, 13 or 14, I worked for Joe as a laborer on a framing crew, uh, little punk kid. It wasn't fully legal. <laughs> Should we not say this on the I podcast? I don't know. What, 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 what can we do? Hi everyone, by the way, I'm Joe. <laughs> yeah, this is Joe. 13 year old with a nail gun and a ladder. You know, my mom did not let me <laughs> use power tools from what I remember, so <laughs> we would sneak the nail gun every once in a while. We'd turn you loose with it. Yeah, so um, we both worked together at um, my family's home building company, uh, which is... That's then, what made it legal. Yeah. Your dad was the owner. Yeah. <laughs> okay, which, we're good. We're which covered. was then called Harvest Homes. Um, and yeah, we've done a lot of stuff together. Joe has built a ton built from a um like trim carpenter perspective built a ton of stuff that i have drawn um and designed and so i thought it'd be very interesting to talk from the office to the field what's going on in home building and yeah what's up joe Uh, hey hey thanks for being here you bet and i think even beyond that like i was building those things when you were 13. Yeah. yeah. And so some of those designs um, predated you. Yeah. And you have now, in today's world, you're taking those and updating them and making more stylish or more current and plugging them back into houses. So Yeah, right. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. Um. What's uh, let's just start with this because we've talked about it a million times. Like, what is the most frustrating thing the trim carpenter to see on a drawing? Frustrating thing. Well, uh, there's there's a balance, you know. In trim carpentry, the the bread and butter is hanging doors and putting base and casing up. Um, that's that's the it's where you make your money. Um. When, when you get into built-ins, um, locker systems and mud rooms, um, that, I don't know to say frustrating, but it becomes problematic because the client or the designer has a picture in their head and that picture in their head does not always translate to the space where it's supposed to go. Yeah. And so in that moment when when sawdust is flying and and um, things are being being put up, we have to put the brakes on and solve the problems of the concept, the Pinterest picture, to fit into that space physically into that house. Yeah, uh, and it doesn't always translate. Now it can with some changes, but. Uh, what begins to be frustrating is when you s- send it back up the chain and say, hey, what you 
what you design doesn't fit. And my response always, you know, it doesn't fit. Here's some solutions. Here's our options to get it to fit. Send it back up the chain. Comes back down. Why not? I don't know. What you design doesn't fit. Here's the options to (laughs) make it fit. Uh, And you get stuck in this back and forth. um, As I'm standing there with a hammer in my hand or a nail gun in my hand, wanting a decision. Sometimes it takes a couple days, especially if there's a client involved. Yeah. So if it's for a builder who's building perhaps a spec house or, um, you know, where the client doesn't get the input, that's simpler. But once a client gets involved, uh, it, it it can go days, if not a week, before we get a resolution. Yeah. And uh, when, when time is money, on the job site, uh, every minute goes by is like, uh, I need an answer, I need an answer, I need an answer. And that, that's what creates the frustration. Yeah. So, but building the thing, well, that's fun. Yeah. Right? Anything you could dream up as a designer, you know, in my mind is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like, oh, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, let's do something quirky and out of the, outside the box. Yeah. Uh, and make it look good. Yeah. <laughs> make it fit. Make it flow with the design of the house. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you've seen from clients, they have this house design and then they come with this thing. And you're like, yeah, that doesn't really fit with the design. And how do you manage right. that? It's a cool thing, but that doesn't really work here Yeah, in a design sense. Let alone a physical sense. Right. The The toughest thing for me is like getting that, how do I, how do I convince them that three dimensionally, it's going to screw something up real bad, <laughs> you know, without, without taking the time to fully model this bad idea, right? you know, um, and develop a rendering form or whatever. Like a lot of times it's, it's adding a room or bumping out a space or, um, you know, it's hard to explain, but just the the ge- the geometry that they take and, and kind of smush them together, and then you're like, no, <laughs> it's a really bad idea because right. Um, a lot of times, like it's just like a face that's too big on the front of the house. You know, yeah. you're gonna have this 24 foot wall, and we don't have a break in it, and there's gonna be just an awkward gable sitting over it, and just out of proportion with the rest of your home, or it sticks too far forward, or um, most clients I'm getting these days are like pretty trusting of me, right? Um, which is it, it helps in that process because when I say like, "Oh, it's gonna look bad," they're like, "Okay, yeah, we don't want to." They don't usually push it, um, which I think helps. Um, but yeah, it can be it can be frustrating at times to like communicate all that. Yeah. Through. Yeah, I had one recently that. You know, filtered it way through the builder into you know my work order, and I I received the work order and I get the detail sheet of what it is and I looked at it and I said, fortunately it was a month before I was supposed to start and I said, hey, uh, this is gonna look, this isn't gonna work. Um, and 
it's interesting how you get into the emotion of it at that mm. point. Yeah. Um, and and I met emotion from the um, operations manager, the builder, who then passed it to the homeowner, who the emotion just, ah, everybody's mad. Yeah. Because what was drawn, I mean, I could have built it that way, but it would have been really dumb. And... <laughs> Like, you don't want to do this. Yeah. Uh, Essentially, it was a mantle that hung out past a bump out. And that should, in theory, return back to the wall of the bump out, behind the bump out. And they had just cut it off. The reason they cut it off is because there was a built-in alongside the bump out. Oh, yeah. And so that mantle, the crown of the mantle, which sticks out, six inches from the wall returned back to the built-in well then you got this how do i treat that i mean it's just hanging out in the the middle of the bookcase yeah so and again i said here's my suggestion shrink the mantle so it doesn't wrap around well that's the way we designed it i'm like okay i'll build it that way but it'll be dumb yeah and there's a lot of back it was probably two weeks to get that finally resolved. Yeah. And, you know, I, I understand from a designer point of view, you just, maybe they missed it mm-hmm. or couldn't visualize in a 3D world how that was going to tie in. Yeah. Um, but when it has to go back up the chain and, and you, you meet resistance, mm-hmm. I, I, I'll do it, but yeah. it's dumb. Yeah, it's often my statement. <laughs> yeah, I could see, I could see the emotion on it too. From okay, let's say it's a little bit of a different, difficult client. Like phone conversations aren't fun. Like okay, I don't want to make that call. Right. <laughs> First off, I'm sitting in the office, you know, fielding this. And second, I already spent a ton of time on this. Like yeah, I'm I'm emotionally invested because this detail. I don't know if I drew this. <laughs> I don't think it was me. I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> but in theory, like. You know, hypothetically, I spend a lot of time on this detail and I'm a lot of my time and energy and professional credibility is is in a sense on the line here. Yeah. I can see why it's easy to butt heads over stuff like this. Um, one thing that I think I for those people that listen to the podcast often have heard me say this, but like helped me so much in my career was people like you and other project managers I worked with taking the time to stand at my desk and say like, okay, this is actually how we're going to build this thing. Or you can't draw it like this anymore because this doesn't work. And here's why. Because math. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you're looking, you spend all day looking at this black AutoCAD screen with lines and you can make it work in there. And you, I pull up the detail and I'm like, look, see, it works. And then you're like, well, no, it doesn't. Because if you turn this, just like you're saying with the mantle, if you turn this corner, there's this little thing that's sticking out. And yeah, it was just a bunch of light bulb moments for me Mm -hmm. um, that really, really helped formulate how to process and think about a drawing set. Mm -hmm. Um, It was hard work. It was annoying at times. Like, there's some people I know, they're like, oh, the only reason you're in my office is because I screwed something up and I don't want... (laughs) I'd rather you weren't in here because that would mean I didn't screw anything up. <laughs> so years ago in the Harvest Homes days, you know, just cranking out houses, you know, close to 100 a year. Yeah. And I oversaw 
the um, project management department, I oversaw all of our field crews and you know, lots of people, 100 people. And we would, you know, by the time I got to print, it had gone from through a number of people's hands and it's my job to execute, right? Mm -hmm. Build it. And so you're building and then you run into something. It's like, well, wait a minute, this doesn't work. So it went from the designer to the, the guy who orders material, went through a bunch of people's hands, nobody caught it. Yeah. Until we're out there with a piece of wood and a nail gun and a saw saying, wait a minute. So our field crews, our framers would be out there and they'd, of course, kick it to me and I'd look at the plan. I'm like, oh yeah, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Then what do I do? I go marching up to the design department, which was, I don't remember, seven, eight, nine people in their, they weren't cubicles, but cubicle-esque situation. One room, all designers, and I'd kick the door open <laughs> and I'd say, yeah. who drew the such and such plan? And it would be dead quiet. And finally, somebody's hand would slowly go up and all the other designers would go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. it was a semi-regular thing because stuff didn't work but but then like you said we would sit down and i would pull it apart and then bring it up on your computer i can't run autocad but i would tell them turn it and look here you see how this roof line doesn't line up with that roof line because yeah. x y and z and they're like oh okay but it was always worth the time for me to do that because, you know, my belief is you, you learn more from your mistakes than you learn getting it right. Yeah. So the mistake is a mistake. I could get mad and scream and yell. Um, is more productive in the long term to take the time and say, Here, here's where I think you went wrong. And here's how to see it in the future. And here are your potential fixes for it. Yeah. Uh, because then I don't have to come up and have the same conversation again, in theory. Yeah. Right. So as a as a contractor now to builders, I still try to take that same approach, and sometimes I come across as a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, you can't do this. Uh, and then when the emotions start to roll, I of course don't always respond. Yeah well either it's like well get your crack together tell me what you want to build yeah <laughs> right is that's when i'm like i've hit my limit i'm done helping you like you give me a picture i'll build it yeah what's what's alarming to me and I, again i've said this on the podcast before too but what's alarming to me is so i've had my home design business now where i've you know been on my own for roughly three years and the amount of times i've gotten a call back of like hey, don't draw it like this anymore, it doesn't work, or um, you screwed something up and we need to fix it, I can think of like two or three. And my guess is I'm not sending out all perfect drawing sets. I think just because I'm further detached from the building process, that they're not calling me back. You know, they're just figuring out, oh, it's gonna take two weeks to get a drawing, let's not call um, whoever, let's just, let's yeah. just do it. Whereas I was inside that loop, that feedback loop with a home builder, and it's alarming to me because I'm like, okay, if this happened to me, is this happening to every architecture firm in America? Like, are they, are 
every every home designer and architect are they missing the feedback loop of realizing what does and doesn't work in their drawings and my guess is yeah because there's there doesn't seem to be a lot of respect two-way respect mm-hmm. for the field and the office um I've, I've heard field people don't love architects and drafters <laughs> you know and i think part of that is why is there's just the the feedback loop is so stretched out right. and yeah you don't just don't get it once once the once the plans are in construction documents and and the project has started, I think the pace is extremely different. Like once there's a hole in the ground, it's all go. Yeah. And so when there's a problem, the simplest thing to do to reduce the amount of time to fix the problem is just make a decision in the field and go with it. Yep. Um, because, you know, for instance, like me, I'm standing there with a saw and a board and a hammer saying, give me an answer. Yeah. Like, I don't care where it broke down. I don't, Just tell me what to build. Right. Um, and then, you know, to the builder who has hired the designer, like, are they going to take the time to send it back up? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and in the idea of, you know, processes and systems which make your business run... Um, I don't. I don't think there is a process for that with most home builders. Yeah. To to send it back and say, here's the problems we we encountered, and here's how they could be fixed in the future. We just don't have time. Yeah. Or we don't take the time. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm curious. I don't do work for uh, like national production builders. Mm-hmm. And I would be curious to see if they have that process. I'm sure they have some sort of process like that because they generally are building the same, you know, here's the base plan, here's your six options. Yeah. And when option seven of plan two didn't work, yeah, I mean, they got to be sending it back and saying, hey, we got to change the plans. Yeah, so the place I worked for in Minnesota, um, we were not a national production builder, but we were, was it 150 units a year? Um, They spent a lot of time and money bringing in consultants and stuff to get best practices, Mm -hmm. to be as close to the national production builder level as far as like a process was concerned. So I feel like I've I've seen a glimpse of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was managing the CAD department there. And one thing we did was VPOs, variance purchase order, where somebody spent money that wasn't bid in the job. Right. And so those would all come to my table. If it was coded as a CAD error, we had to fix it. Right. And so I think this is the process that national builders are doing. It's like the second there is $1 <laughs> that's misplaced, somebody is on the line. And bet, um, I think most national builders have all in-house CAD um, right. drafting so they can control it and make sure that these details are 100% right 100% of the time. So yeah, I think I think that feedback loop is pretty tight. Um, Within those yeah. things. Yeah, for, for you or for myself as a contractor, like there's no, there's no, well, there's little motivation for me to try to trace that back and find where the problem what came and fix it. Yeah. Other than if I know it's going to happen again, I'm a little more motivated to fix it. Yeah. But usually, 
my fixing it is sending it back to the builder and saying, hey, we had this problem and you might build this again. It'd be a good idea if you fixed it. Yeah, right. And then, you know, I'm a contractor. I've got no influence. Yeah. Other than if I complain too much, they might find somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, what are what are some examples of, like, really good, healthy builder-to-field communication? Well, how does that look? So, again, this is in my finished carpentry world. Right. When I get a, a, a CAD drawing with, um, I don't need every dimension, mm-hmm. um, but a CAD drawing that has been designed specifically for the space that that thing is going into uh, with dimensions. Yeah. Like a fireplace built in. Fireplace built in. Yeah. How tall is it? Yeah. Right? And... Um, with with some builders, I get a, a piece of paper printed off of Pinterest with a note that says, make it look like this. That's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Because there's so many variables that then I have to design in the moment and make it fit. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the healthy is those are detailed out mm-hmm. um, you know I think about you know staircases and newels and handrails there's a lot of code building code that goes into where that newel can go and where it can't go mm-hmm. um, and that's my job to know that and build it accordingly yeah uh, and I just have to trust the architect has thought through that and said is there really space for this to fit Mm -hmm. and there's times where there isn't yeah and so you have to make adjustments in the field to make it look like what it's supposed to look like and also pass code yeah um and that once those things start to contradict each other that's when i have to come back to the project manager and say hey we we got a challenge here. Yeah. I can't build it the way it's drawn. These are the changes I have to make. I need you to approve that so it doesn't come back on me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But healthy, healthy, to answer the question, healthy is I can tell when a designer has thought through what it is they're putting in there. Mm. Yeah. And I can tell when they cut and paste and send it down the line. <laughs> yeah. Like, make it fit. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it goes easy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And you have to ask the questions. Yeah. Um, so I just completed a project where out in Colorado where the um, builder hired an interior designer. <laughs> um, it actually, it was awesome. You're, okay. You're like, <laughs> um, it, she was fantastic. Um, and what she did, it, it was really interesting. I've never, I haven't done too many projects with like dedicated interior designers. And I know a lot of people don't have the budget for it, whatever, but what she did, I, I just did the bones. Yeah. Didn't do any built in details. Didn't do any fireplace details. Didn't lay out any, you know, I, I laid out 
the kitchen in the global sense, but didn't lay out where any of the cabinetry was going or anything. She put together this 30-page document that had all cat elevations for every built-in detail, um, you know, outlet locations. We tucked the outlets in floating shelves above the countertop so they wouldn't be on this quartz backsplash. Like, she drew everything. Mm -hmm. And it was actually really awesome to see how everything turned out because when we built the lockers and all the lockers had an outlet in each one of them, that outlet was perfectly centered. And, you know, they didn't need to move it. And it was great. And the, you know site manager didn't have to come back and correct that stuff like um yeah I, it was really cool to do a project with that level um of detail and think through everything and the back and forth we did on it it was it was fun yeah so i mean that's i'm glad you brought that up i have worked for interior designers that put that kind of detail in yeah and um it is it's immensely helpful it's like oh I just open the plan and make it. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I, there's not a lot of thinking. Um, and as I had that experience, I've done another number of projects for an interior designer locally. And it, it's, I mean, she dreams up some kooky stuff, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely is not standard. But the amount of detail I get is like, oh, the answers are already there. Yeah. Uh, and really, the, the thought I've had in working with her versus working with builders who have hired an architect is she's just an architect with more detail. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Obviously, she's not dealing with load transfers and, right. and structural right. yep. stuff. Um, but it's just, it's all the detail that I want on a print, but mm-hmm. I just don't get yeah. Out in the field, you make it work. I mean, that's one thing we have, you and I have talked about in the past when you have a wall treatment like a wainscot or, you know, the goofy decorative bead mold you put on a wall to. Yeah. Um, I'll get a detail for that. Hey, make it look like this. And I walk up to the wall and there's three outlets in the way. And my thought is, well, Maybe we should have handed this detail to the electrician and said, don't put your outlets in the way. Yeah. And and dimension those out. Um, like that doesn't happen in the yeah. building industry. Now, some project managers are savvy enough or superintendents are savvy enough to see it and they'll, they'll figure it out in the field with the electrician. Spray paint on the framework, yeah. But electricians generally aren't going to take the time to hunt that information down and say, can I put my outlet here? Yeah. They're going to follow code. They're going to follow their standard procedure and just put it. Yeah. So I did it once. um, This is a year or two ago. Um, I dimensioned the outlets and drew the wainscot detail. Um, And what's frustrating on the design side, like being in the office side, is... My guess is, I don't know if the electrician actually saw that sheet. Right. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't and just got into plug and play mode and were spacing outlets by code mm-hmm. and threw them up in the I don't know. I didn't hear that the room did or didn't work. Um, my hope is the project manager flagged it and marked the outlets <laughs> on site. But like, that's some. That's like what's in the back of my head when I'm drawing details. It's like, is anybody going to ever even look at this thing mm-hmm. or the amount of times you know when you see a detail marker and it's 
it's a circle with a number and then a line, a number over mm -hmm. another number and a line. And, and like, I've had to explain to people like that means it's detail number three on sheet six, right? <laughs> you know, like, like I shouldn't have to explain. Explain like that's scary to me. <laughs> How many times we put these on drawings and people don't know what they mean? Well, you shouldn't have to explain that to the guy that works for me, right? Yeah, right. Or you should have to explain that to the guy that works for me. You should not have to explain that to the site superintendent or the project manager or you know. Yeah, yeah. That's that's it's interesting. I remember. It's a number of years ago uh, when you were still at your dad's place managing that and you had a recessed door with an arch oh yeah and we kept you kept building it and the head you know that arch wasn't high enough and so the decorative header on top of the door guys had to cut the ears off of it to make it fit yeah and I went storming in your office and said look you, you gotta you gotta Gotta make this right. Look stupid. And you were kind of like, I don't know how to communicate that to get it right. I said, put a detail on the on the print. And you laughed and you said, our framers don't look at the print. <laughs> <laughs> Which is when I then went, all right, well, you get your crap together and I'll just build whatever you tell me to. But the funny thing is... Two weeks ago, I ran into the same situation, and I ran into the same problem. Are you for real? That little arch wasn't high enough, and we have to nip yeah. the ears off of the decorative header to, just to get it to fit. Yeah. And I I went back to them, and they now have a designated CAD person, and I sat down, and I said, look, here's the picture. Here's how it doesn't work. Make a detail. And he said, okay. Yeah. We'll do one another another one in a couple of years and I'll probably cut the ears off the header. Yeah. I try. I, I mean, maybe this is wrong of me, but I, I, my gut preference is I would rather put a small note right next to that door. This mm -hmm. is like arch shoulder height at 96 inches or whatever. Yeah. Then put a little detail marker that may or may not get seen. Yep. That doesn't have the correct, you know, the, the actual information that the person needs on the physical sheet that they're looking at, e even if it's like a slightly less detail, but there's enough information there, I think might in the end be better mm -hmm. than sending them around. Cause I got, I've done some projects where, you know, it's the 20 to 40 page yeah. set of drawings and I don't think the field loves that either. No. <laughs> you know, like... I, you do and you don't because I have the information, but I don't know. It's in here somewhere. Yeah, right. I don't know where. Right. Then when you finally find it, you're like, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't read that, but it takes, a, it takes a minute to wrap your head around what was drawn. Yeah. And for this interior designer that I've done work with, yeah, they're, they're 50 to... 80 to 100 page print. Yeah. Where, hey, can you send me a print? Yeah, you could go pick it up at at the printing shop. Wow. Okay. Go to the printing shop. The sucker weighs eight pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, which is good. And it's also cumbersome. Yeah. To, to navigate through. 
Um, kind of a tangent, but do you always prefer to work off of paper or would you ever consider like a site iPad or something? Um, that is a good question and I'm, tr- I'm trying to answer that question right now uh, because there's, there's advantages and disadvantages to both. And um, navigating through the iPad or, or whatever you happen to have um, you know, stuff gets lost. Yeah. You don't even know that it's there. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's more of a learning curve mm-hmm. of, of that particular program you're, you're navigating through. Um, the problem with a piece of paper is uh, it's sitting on my desk. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, I left it in my truck. Yeah. And I got to go get it. Uh, yeah. So there's the advantage and disadvantage. One of the challenges with the new, you know, builder trend or co-construct, you know, these these great systems that people are putting into place where all the information is there is it's just the learning curve of how to use the program. Yeah. And and what does it do and and if I work for eight or nine different builders and they have eight or nine different programs they use you know, to a guy who's accustomed to, you know, the biggest technology I have is a cell phone. It's like, ah, yeah, I got to learn this whole new thing. It takes it takes a fair amount of time, but yeah. I see definitely see the advantage of when it's electronic. In theory, you have everything. Mm-hmm. You just have to find it. Yeah. How do you find it? And get yeah. find the right button to push. I've gone to like exclusively electronic. Yeah. I just, I lose papers. I just yeah. lose them too much. I don't, I used to do journals and stuff and I don't know. Even like I got a tablet and write all my notes on that. Like just everything's with me all, all the time. That's, um, that, that is the biggest <clears throat> advantage. Yeah. And while I resist the electronic, I'm drawn to it because it's always with me. Yeah. Even, I will say though, even after me being... You know, I, I guess I should say like 99% electronic. I do. There's this thing where I call AutoCAD blindness, where you looked at a drawing so long you don't notice the the obvious stuff that's off with it, mm-hmm. and then you print it on a sheet of paper and you're like, "Holy crap! My the plot window that I had cuts off half the dimensions that I had <laughs> on that side of the house. Like I thought they were there, and they're just not because I didn't have." You know, there's little settings and stuff that you're looking at this black screen all day long that you just, your brain just kind of filters out. Yeah. And you put it all on a sheet of paper and it's like painfully obvious when it's on a sheet of paper what you screwed up. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting. I go back and forth on that too, but yeah, still mostly, mostly electronic. Mm-hmm. I've even got to the point now, if I'm doing like a remodel or something, do site measures and I don't even write anything down on site now I have this 360 camera that captures everything you know around in the room and I'll just talk to the camera right this room is 12 by 11 12 wide by 11 deep or whatever and go to the next room and then just come back to the office and write it all down yeah in yeah, AutoCAD that, that's it's a great system yeah it's been pretty quick it saves time in the field for yeah. sure yeah word Well, I'm about to take a drink of water. Joe's looking at me. 
I'll take a drink of water too, right? Here Cheers. Cheers. Was <laughs> that the chair? I hope the mics caught that. It wasn't my chair. I think it was yours. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, either it was the chair or one of us just ripped. But we'll find out. I wasn't surprised by anything, so I think it was you. <laughs> Bill Riskmeyer, I'm keeping me on your toes. Since 2020. So builder versus buyer, if you're a homeowner entering into this terror of building a house, like we're we're on the like we're the ones who see how the sausage is made, right? Yep. I'm curious about, you know, as people go in, their expectations. Um, obviously you go in with some sense of fear large sense of excitement. You've heard the horror stories uh, of bad building experiences. You've heard good ones. Yeah. Um, but it was my chair. Yeah. There it is. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Squirrel! <laughs> um, but, you know, taking ideas from an idea to paper to sawdust and wood is uh it's daunting yeah and you know ultimately it's it's your job on the front end to make it fit right it's my job in the field to make what you made fit fit Mm -hmm. um and then the communication back and forth um i don't know i've been on this kick of of watching emotion on on the job site oh yeah and, and, and mostly it's watching my own emotion like why am i so ticked mm-hmm. it's like this is the same problem i had 20 years ago yeah why am i mad about it now yeah um and then like i was saying earlier is you send it back up to to uh get more information or or suggest some changes um the emotion that comes there that you know for me you know i'm very pragmatic. It's like, give me the drawing, give me the wood, let me put it. Yeah. Um, and you're, I am forced into kind of design mode when there, number one, isn't a design, which happens. Yeah. Hey, we want to build this thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, or the design doesn't work. So then I'm forced into design mode, which which I am not. You know, over 30, 40 years, of 30 years of doing this, you, you build a repertoire of design tools. Yeah. But it's not my nature to be designed. I'm more, more the engineer than the designer. Um, and, you know, how to walk a homeowner through that process of what your dream is isn't going to fit into reality so we got to change the dream a little bit and watch the emotion like sometimes it's like oh okay what 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 can we do yeah. other times it's the last straw and uh whew, we're gonna go have lunch and let you guys talk about it and we'll be back yeah one of my bosses referred to it as like an emotion bucket like people have so much stress Mm-hmm. They can they, they have a bucket. There's so much stress they can put in it. And early on, you can you can add to it 
you know, little, oh, you know what? The the bit came back and we need to chop off this screen and porch or, or whatever. Okay. But then by the time they get to you. Yeah. <laughs> and they want to be in by Christmas. Yeah. And their emotion bucket is just brimming. It's yeah. right at the surface. And you're like, your mantle needs to be six inches shorter. <laughs> Flipping the table. <laughs> Freak it out. Um, yeah. I, my advice to people, I'm curious your advice too, Joe. But my advice is like, just be ready for anything. You're not going to get the perfect builder. Your house isn't going to be perfect. Like, embrace the journey. Um, pay attention. Take good notes. Like, be detailed. Be detailed for the for your builder as much as possible, but like embrace it. It's, stuff's gonna happen, stuff's gonna go wrong and there's not a lot you can do about it. Just be ready to come up with good solutions. Be a problem solver, not a problem creator. Yeah. You know, and, and roll with the punches. Like, I don't know. Yeah? What are your thoughts? What would you advise people? Um, some of it is, th- there's there's a process of education that it needs yeah. to happen. Yeah, and and. You know, I, I start with, okay, we've, I never say we have a problem. We have a challenge. Mm. And and I say it with a smile. Yeah. Because that's supposed to be funny. And it's like straight out of Chick-fil-A training. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. It just I did it like first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a challenge. And here's the challenge. So present it. And then here are solutions that I see. Yeah. Right? And, and so there's... There's an education in, of how do we make this work. There's kind of a funny story about that. The guy that was a um, commercial HVAC contractor building his own house, right? Mm-hmm. Great guy. It was a pleasure to work with him. But I forget sometimes who I'm talking to. And so he was asking me to build this goofy range hood, you know, swoopy and curves and and I just kind of went into training mode about not training educating mode about you know how high do we want to make it because at that point I'm standing in his kitchen designing it yeah there's no drawing there's a Pinterest picture um, <laughs> yeah and we're trying to get it into reality and I started to talk to him about airflow and CFMs and duct size to, to help determine how high that should be. And he he just was looking at me with a dumb look. He's like, Joe, do you remember who I am? I'm, like, I'm sorry. I did forget who you were. How high would you like it? <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, because it, it's like people ask all the time, is this too big? Is this too small? Is this going to look okay? And I'm yeah. like, I'm not the guy to ask. Yeah. You know, you tell me. You like it? I heard you say you tell me a lot. You tell me? Uh, because, and that comes down to, you know, what are my gifts, right? My yeah. gift is I'm going to make that drawing on paper turn into something real, touch touch and feel it, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. But to go from a blank page to being on paper, yeah, I've learned enough theory, but yeah. it's not... It's not my gift. Yeah, it's a different skill set. If it was Slightly, my gift, yeah. I'd I wouldn't have a hammer, I'd have a computer. Yeah. Although AI is gonna take me over before it takes you over. What's gonna take you over? AI. Oh yeah. It's gonna take my job over before it takes over your job. It'll I mean, we'll get robots that do trim sooner or later, but 
I think robots that do floor plans will probably happen first. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Just stand there, sit there and talk about it. It pops up. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Sure, Google's already harnessing data. Yeah. So, yeah, to, 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 to homeowners entering into this process, um, yeah, and, and go back to emotion, you know, the contractor has emotion mm-hmm. and doesn't deal with it well. Yeah. You know, it's your job to be professional. It's your job to be the knowledgeable person about your trade. And, um, yeah, sometimes you just, you've had it. Yeah. My emotional bucket is spilling over. <laughs> uh, I, 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 every contractor I know is a little bit crusty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to be. <laughs> I mean, most of us are rednecks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, most of us didn't go to college and... Dad was a drunk. No, my, my dad wasn't a drunk, but you know that's <laughs> yeah. the life they come from. Not being critical, and and uh, yeah, there's a crustiness. Somehow yeah. they fell into this idea of oh, I can, I can, I can start a business. <laughs> I can make some money now yeah. on some boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> to your point, though, like emotion, as much I know it's hard, especially if you're the one. In the process of building your own dream home, whether you hired a contractor or you're doing it yourself, right? But emotion never helps. Your emotion about the project is not is not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to get you a better product. It's not going to solve the problem faster. Mm-hmm. As much as you can leave that, I think you'd be better off. You know that brings a really good point from a from a uh, client perspective. Um, I made the joke a little bit about, I want to be in by Christmas, right? Yeah. It's like, this time of year? Most woo-hoo. common phrase in home building, yeah. I got to be in by Christmas. And, you know, there, sometimes that works. You're, you'll be in right after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of times it doesn't, for whatever reason. And, and a client's reaction to that reality um, can go number of different ways uh, I've had clients who are just dry, just cracking the whip right yeah in, in whatever way they deem is going to be effective yep there are others who are accepting and say okay what you know what's the reality then so you got two ends of the spectrum one is unhealthy one is disappointed but probably healthier uh those who crack the whip um yeah their house will probably get done before christmas uh but it will not be done with the same care and quality Mm -hmm. as the one who said i understand what's the reality yeah um because while i'm willing to dig in a little harder and make a schedule work uh, that willingness is limited you know i'm at the tail end of the project which means it's always behind schedule uh and the pressure is there you know you got to get done you got to get done you got to get done eh, you know my kids got a baseball game yeah i'm not gonna miss it yeah right i'm gonna i'm, I'm not gonna be here till eight o'clock tonight right because once you do then that becomes the yeah. norm and it's expected and so there's there's boundaries I create to be to maintain a healthy lifestyle 
Uh, it's not that I don't have compassion. Um, when I get into it with the builder, so I rarely interact face to face with homeowners. Mm-hmm. You know, my interaction right. is with the builder. Um, my pragmatic viewpoint is I didn't create the problem. It was handed to me. And so I'm not going to give the things that are valuable in my life up to solve your problem. Mm-hmm. Meaning my kids' baseball game. Yeah. Right. Or date right. night with my wife. Right. Or, you know, whatever it happens to be. I'll be here. I'll be here every day. I'll do you. I'll, I will do for you what I told you to do. I would do. Mm-hmm. I'll put in long, hard days. No problem. Um, I'll do everything I can. But I didn't create your problem, so I'm not going to cancel my date. Mm-hmm. If, right. If I screwed something up, right, building the staircase on a tight schedule, I screwed up the staircase, I have to go fix it. That's a very different story. Right. That's a right. phone call to my <clears throat> wife and say, hey, I screwed this up. I gotta make it right. We're gonna have to push our date off till next week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very different. It is. That's. It's well said. I like that. Yeah. And <laughs> one thing that you're touching on that kind of makes me laugh. I feel like there's this perception from some home buyers that like your builder wants to go slower. <laughs> <laughs> As as people that have been in it, yeah, all day every day for multiple home building companies, I've I've never once, not kidding, never once heard um, anybody in upper management or any owner of a home building company be pleased that a home is going slower. Yeah, I'm not kidding, not exaggerating. Twenty years, I haven't heard it. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want your home to go any slower than humanly possible. Yeah. And they get paid when it's done. They get paid when it's done. <laughs> like, wouldn't you go fast too? I'd like my money earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody, everybody is motivated uh, by time. Yeah. We all get paid when it's done. And, and the less time... Or when our jobs are done. Yeah. The less time in the project equates to more money, more yeah. profit. Right. Right. Um, and that, not that we're all out chasing profit per se but that's the reality yeah if I can do this job in 10 days versus 15 I still get paid the same amount yeah so it's makes sense that yeah. I would go faster and there's nobody out there that doesn't want to raise in their current job yeah you know <laughs> like we're all motivated yeah yep um, and that's not to say like I have there have been instances of you know, where I'm sure a builder was was overworked and didn't have the appropriate staffing for what they thought was coming up and their mm-hmm. home has gone slower because of that. Mm-hmm. But to accuse them of like wanting your home to go slower, like intentionally delaying you, I, I just don't. <laughs> I think that's 1.01% of the, yeah. the homes in America. Yeah. I get, I, I get a sense of empathy compassion for homeowners um, I think about like uh, my car right mm-hmm. I know that when I turn the key mechanically I understand why it runs when it doesn't run I don't know 
Yeah. So I go to a mechanic. If you don't know that mechanic and you don't trust that mechanic, he could tell you 15 things are wrong with your car and there's really only one. And he just made an extra thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. I walk into the mechanic's shop with that fear. Mm-hmm. Is he lying to me? Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's a similar circumstance to a builder versus a buyer. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand this process. Yeah. And he could be ripping me off. Yeah. Now I'm gonna choose to trust him, but once you know the mm-hmm. bad things that happen in building. The challenges that happen in building begin to deteriorate that trust, and then once the trust is gone, whoo, mm-hmm. is when the lawyers start making the money. Yeah, um, and I see it. I've seen it over and over and over. And you know, for me, who I have a long-term relation with the builder, whom I trust, and I watch them being not trusted. Um, that's uh i understand it yeah from that like people in that in that position as a buyer is like i i I don't trust you anymore and so now i'm gonna look for everything that i feel like you lied to me about Mm -hmm. and uh, it was just it's not the case yeah it is it is funny how through the client journey there is like a a switch flipping a snapping point with with clients that go you know, projects that go bad, right? Right. Um, there usually is a point, a moment you can point to when like that stress bucket was full and they had, and you're exactly right. They went from, maybe not distrust, but, you know, hesitant trust to, yeah. to distrust. To distrust. And then the project went from mediocre to very bad. Yeah. Yeah. And and then from there, for the builder, it's, it's just an uphill battle through the rest of the just get it done get the work done fulfill our contract if we can get them to be neutral we've succeeded yeah i've heard that phrase a lot yeah Yeah. uh and you know the reality is they might not yeah um so just an interesting viewpoint that i see i see it happening and i'm like that's just like me when i walk into the mechanic Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know if he's telling me the truth. Yeah. I don't have any option but to trust him. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think the reality, though, is is builders who are not trustworthy, they're not in business very long. Yeah. And, and so builders who have a tenure in their communities, mm-hmm. they're going to be, they're not going to be perfect. Right. But they're going to be worthy of trust, I think. Yeah, especially the ones that made it through like a, a home recession or two. Like, right. yeah, yeah, <laughs> you probably are doing a couple things right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not perfect, right? Right. Something's gonna get screwed up on your house. Yeah, deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> you should write a book. I <laughs> uh, have a podcast or something. <laughs> Yeah, we should do something like that. Speaking of podcasts, Joe, um, how can people, if they want to reach out to you, do you want people to reach out to you? Um, how can people reach out? What are they going to reach out with? I don't know. <laughs> to whack me? <laughs> they want to hire you to build them something. Build them something. Uh, yeah, well, marathoncraftsman.com. 
Yeah, so that's Joe's company. Marathon Craftsman. M-E-N. There's a whole gaggle of us. Um, MarathonCraftsmen.com. That's a good starting point. Sweet. That'll, you get, that'll get you connected anyway. You don't have Instagram or TikTok or anything? No. No. Like yeah. I said, kind of a redneck. Word. Yeah. Okay. I might, I might get into that. I've considered that whole online presence yeah and um I, I guess i do have a facebook page but i'm not on facebook anymore so you could look me up on facebook and someday i might see it yeah. uh, <laughs> uh but yeah just the time and energy it takes to keep that updated and yeah i'm just i'm too busy making sawdust yeah sleep well, cool and i'm adam Follow me on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook at Burnham Design Co. B I R N A M Design Co. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back at you soon. I'm going to try and get Joe to do more of these, but he's looking at me now with a blank face. So we'll see if I can get a yes or not. We'll see. No promises. I promised. I promised a bunch of episodes with Tony, and then he bailed. So um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna promise any more co-hosting. We're just gonna see. I'm just gonna. You really bug a lot of people. There you go. That's my strategy. I'm sticking to it. Awesome. Thank you for listening. Any last words, Joe? Word. <laughs> <laughs>